the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. WTBN, Pinellas Park. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. Now, you don't have to be with a person very long to figure out that somebody has a problem with pride. We all struggle with pride. Some people just don't know that they have a problem with pride. But you're with the person, and and in two minutes, you pick up on that. Same thing with someone who has a negative and critical spirit. Nobody tells you, you know, I have a negative and critical spirit. But you're with a person, listen, it doesn't even take two minutes, 30 seconds, and you can figure that one out, so you pray for them. They're the people always complaining about things. Nothing's ever right. So you pray for them. There's an old saying that some people would still complain, even if you hung them with a brand new rope. But negative complaining attitudes are serious business, all the more so because they are contagious. Praying for people with attitude problems is just one example of the infinite variety of things for which we can pray. Our topic today is prayer, and you're listening to Verse by Verse with Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff. Pastor Steve has been the teaching pastor since 1981 at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. In Ephesians chapter 6, the Apostle Paul listed the various pieces of spiritual armor that God has made available to us for the spiritual warfare in which all Christians are involved. And then in verse 18, Paul said we are to pray always. Now, clearly we can't actually talk to God nonstop 24-7. So how can we apply this verse to our lives? Here is Pastor Steve to explain. Someone has compared unceasing prayer to a chronic cough. When you have a chronic cough, you don't cough 24-7. But it's constantly there. A lot of interruptions, but it constantly comes up throughout the day. And that's the way we're to pray. Yes, there are gaps. Yes, there are interruptions. But we're constantly in his presence. That's the way Jesus prayed. If you look at the gospel accounts, you'll see that the Lord was, was, seemed to be always praying. He'd stop his, his work in ministering to crowds and he'd go off and pray. Or right with the crowds, he'd stop and, and offer thanks or pray about something. He would spend whole nights in prayer at times. And at times he got up earlier than anybody else and went to a solitary place to pray, even though he would, had been very busy. Always made time for that. And how often the New Testament refers to the continual prayers of the early church. In Acts 1.14, Acts 2.42, we read that the church continued daily in prayer. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, pray without ceasing. Colossians 4.2, devote yourself to prayer. Romans 12.12 12 says that we are to be devoted to prayer. And Paul wrote Timothy in 2 Timothy 1.3. He said that he continuously prayed. For young Timothy, he said, as I constantly remember you in my prayers night and day. In fact, prayer was so important to the church that even when they had weak faith, they still prayed. What do I mean by that? There's a very interesting story in Acts chapter 12 in which Peter was thrown in prison 
And the church, the Bible says, fervently prayed for his release. And God answered that just the way they prayed. God sends an angel, opened the prison doors, released Peter. He comes to the house where they're praying and he knocks on the door and the lady who opens the door thinks that it's a ghost. And she closes the door. There's Peter. God answered the prayer. They were right in in being devoted to prayer. However, they were not very strong in their faith, but God honored that. God honored it still. We're always to pray. So from a practical standpoint, what does this mean in our lives? Well, here's how one Bible teacher explained the meaning of praying at all times. I'm quoting this because I think he really captures what this is about. He said, to obey this exhortation means that when you are tempted, we hold temptation before God and ask for his help. When we experience something good and beautiful, we immediately thank the Lord for it. When we see evil around us, we pray that that God will make it right and, and be willing to be used of him to that end. When we meet someone who does not know Christ, we pray for God to draw that person to himself and to use us to be a faithful witness. When we encounter trouble, we turn to God as our deliverer. In other words, our life becomes a continual ascending prayer, a perpetual communing with our Heavenly Father. To pray at all times is to constantly set our minds, as Colossians 3.2 says, on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. Now, folks, what that means for us is really, as I said before, we should never have to pray, Lord, I come into your presence. We should always be in his presence. We should never be out of his presence. And really, you, as I said before, you have to discipline yourself to do that. But this also means, and I think this is the main point that Paul is saying, we're to pray all the time, but especially when you are troubled by something. Because the context here is spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare. Isn't this what Paul meant in Philippians 4, 6? When he said, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Take everything to God in prayer. There's nothing too small for the Lord. There's nothing that you ought to be handling on your own. This, this doesn't mean that you have no responsibility, but it does mean that everything is to be taken to the Lord in prayer. All the times that Satan attacks you and you're tempted to worry and doubt and be stressed out, you're to pray and trust the Lord. Isn't this the meaning of 1 Peter 5, 7, when Peter says, casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you? The very next verse says, our, our adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion. Isn't that Paul and Peter's point? So when you wake up in the morning, you should begin to speak to the Lord. And when you go to bed at night, you should be speaking to him. And during the day, throughout the day, you should be able to talk to the Lord about anything at any time. So the first truth that comes out of this phrase, pray at all times in the spirit, concerns the frequency of our prayers at all times. But there's a second truth in this phrase, and it has to do with what we say to the Lord when we do pray at all times. Paul tells us that we are to pray in the spirit. Jude verse 20 says essentially the same thing. He says praying in the Holy Spirit. So what exactly does this phrase mean? Well, Paul is not referring to praying in tongues or any kind of ecstatic utterance. That's contrary to anything in this this context. To pray in the spirit simply means to pray in harmony with the desires of the Holy Spirit. To pray in harmony with the desires of the Holy Spirit. See, when you're surrendered, to the lordship of of Christ, and you're walking under the control of the Holy Spirit, which means in obedience to his word, then our prayers will be in agreement with what he desires. Your desires will be his desires. Well, how do we know what he desires? Well, it's very simple. What he desires is revealed in the word of God, which is what he's inspired. 
In other words, to pray in the Spirit is to make sure that our desires, our motivations, our goals are consistent with the Word of God. That's, that's precisely what it means. And I might add, this is exactly what our Lord meant when he said we are to pray in his name. Jesus said, and I would mark this down if I were you, John fourteen thirteen. This is a liberating truth. Jesus said, whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Now, what does it mean to ask in Christ's name? It does not mean that you just automatically tag on to the end of your prayer in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, You may add on to the end of your prayer in Jesus' name, amen, but you ought to know what that means, why you're saying that. To to just do that and not know why is more hocus-pocus and superstition. It's not biblical truth. What the Lord meant was that our prayers, to pray in his name means that our prayers line up with his character and his will. If he were here in the flesh, would he, could he pray what you're praying in principle? Could he ask for those things? And the key to know if he could is the motivation behind your prayer. Two people can pray for the same thing but have entirely different motives. The motivation, the purpose for which we ask things. Notice the, the last phrase of John fourteen thirteen. Jesus said, whatever you ask in my name, that will I do. And many people just stop here, but that's not where the sentence stops. Jesus said, so that, here's the reason, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. That's a great statement. In other words, the end result of our prayer should be that Christ receives glory and honor as his power, as his wisdom, as his righteousness, as his compassion are put on display as the Father answers those prayers. See, one of the ways to check to check if you are praying in the Spirit and in Christ's name, which is really the same thing, is to ask yourself, why am I asking the Lord to do this? What's my motivation behind this? Is Is it to satisfy myself? Is it to make my life easier? Or is it to bring glory and honor to Jesus Christ? We were created to bring glory to God, so everything we say and do ought to be toward that end, especially our prayers. In just a minute, we're going to hear about an event that was an example of praying for God's glory. First, though, we need to pause just a moment to greet those of you who just tuned in. We're glad you could join us for another verse-by-verse Bible class of the air. Pastor teacher Steve Kreloff is guiding us in a series of lessons about spiritual warfare. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. He has been serving at Lakeside for more than 26 years. Let's return to class now for a dramatic example of how God honored a prayer offered so that he may be glorified. Here is Pastor Steve. Back in 1984, my mom was dying of lung cancer, and I was uh, very burdened for her salvation. I had witnessed to her many times. Michelle had witnessed to her, and, and there was always an emotional tug at her heart, and I could sense that, but, but she kept resisting the gospel, refusing the gospel. One day, the reality of John 14, 13 hit me, and I realized that though I certainly was praying for her salvation because I wanted her to go to heaven and, and not hell, my primary motive, and I had to be honest about this, my primary motive in praying for her salvation was to make life more comfortable for me. That was a major, major issue. I thought that if my mom became a believer, then it would make life easier for me to be around certain relatives. I would have more, uh, some more moral support. 
And so, as this truth hit me, I was deeply convicted of my selfishness in praying for her salvation. I began to pray that the Lord would save my mom for his glory and his glory alone, and that I would not enter into the equation at all. And I prayed that Christ would be exalted for saving her because uh, there would be one more trophy of grace to praise him in the eternal hallelujah chorus. And that became my, my prayer, my motivation. And you know what? To God's praise, that's exactly what he did. Literally on her deathbed, five hours before she died, she prayed to receive Christ. And uh, I was taken out of the equation. I never enjoyed fellowship with her. I look forward to that in, in glory. I never had the opportunity to enjoy that fellowship. But you know what? God has been glorified by her death in a very unique way. Um, in 1984, Lakeside at that, at that time, the entire church rejoiced and thanked God for her salvation. It was a very exciting time. And then later, John MacArthur included the story of her salvation in his best-selling book, The Gospel According to Jesus. Uh, she's not there by name, but it's, it's her. And uh, in, my, in my own book on Romans 9 through 11, I mentioned her salvation in dedicating the book to her memory. The Lord has been glorified. And just the fact that I can tell you about that gives glory to the Lord. And folks, I, I would encourage you to evaluate your motivation behind your prayers. Why are you asking God to do whatever you're asking him to do? Because to pray in the spirit and to receive positive answers, you must pray according to his will which is revealed in his word. This is why James very pointedly says in James 4.3, you ask and do not receive. James tells us why. Why do you pray and not get the answers to prayer? Because you ask with wrong motives, he says, so that you may spend it on your own pleasures. He's saying the reason you don't get answers to your prayer the way that you want to get answers is because, I mean, you do get an answer, the answer is no. But the reason you don't get the answers you want is because you're selfishly motivated. Start praying for his glory and honor. Now, does that mean that you can't ask anything for yourself? Of course not. It just means that whatever you ask, whether it be for yourself or for someone else, make sure that your motive your reason for praying is so, is so that God gets glorified in the answer. That's, that's the whole point of this, especially as it relates to spiritual warfare. So Paul has given us two ways that a prayer warrior prays. He prays with variety. He's not stuck on one type of praying. And he prays in the spirit. He prays frequently. He prays according to the will of God. There's a third way that a prayer warrior Praise, and that is he prays with persistence. I, I love this. Verse 18 goes on to say, and with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition. The apostle exhorts us that in light of praying in the spirit, we must be alert, which means we have to be aware of the needs of others. He'll go on, by the way, to, to say at the end of this verse that we need to be alert in order to know how to pray for other believers. We'll deal with that in just a few minutes, but you need to be alert. But once we know how we should pray consistent with scripture and alert to the needs of our fellow believers, then we must persevere in those prayers. If our praying is biblical, if our praying is sensitive to the needs of others, then persevere, persevere. Jesus emphasized perseverance in the gospels and the word itself means to remain at it, to stick with it, to not quit. That's the kind of quality the Lord wants in our prayer life and yet I think that that is seldom the case we, we, when we're in trouble, we pray for something and we're diligent about it. 
and then we just sort of give up if it's not answered immediately. That's contrary to what the Bible says. Matthew 7, 7 says, ask and it'll be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. Tremendous verse. Not only does the language speak of perseverance because the verbs ask, seek, and knock mean to keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking, but notice there's an increasing intensity involved in each of these verbs. Asking implies requesting assistance. We we ask, we need some help, we ask for it. But seeking involves a little more effort. We're now getting up. We're, We're looking around for help. We began by asking, but now we're, we're putting some more effort into it. And then knocking indicates a great deal of effort. We're pounding at the door. We're not leaving until somebody opens this door. We're refusing to leave until help is given. That's the picture that the Lord wants us to get. We are to ask, keep asking. We are to see, keep seeking and keep pounding at the door until the Lord opens and gives you what you're asking. And that's precisely how our Lord wants us to pray. In Luke 18.1, Jesus said that at all time, men ought to pray and not lose heart. Persevere. And then he gave us a parable. Very interesting because this is, this is easily misunderstood. He gave us a parable that illustrated perseverance in our prayers. The story is, is of a wicked judge who had a widow come to him. And this widow was asking for protection from her enemy, legal protection. And he didn't want to grant He didn't want to listen to this woman, but you know what? She didn't go away. She kept coming back every day, every day. And you know what? Finally, she just wore the guy out. She persevered. She nagged and pestered him until finally he gave up. Not because he really wanted to grant her request, but because he didn't want her around around him his whole life. Now, what was our Lord teaching by this? He was not teaching that, that God is like this wicked judge. This is not a parable of comparison. This is a parable of contrast. God is not like that wicked judge who gave in to the woman's nagging. God does not say, you know what? You are bothering me and you're nagging me. How do I get rid of you? Here, this is what you want. I, I, finally, you, you nag me. And, uh, God is not like that. God is is not reluctant to answer our prayers. He's loving and kind and willing to grant our requests. But we need to persevere. Why? Because his sovereign timing is perfect. We We don't always know the right time. God knows what's best. He doesn't always grant our requests at the moment we first ask. He has your best interests at heart. I thank God for all the times he didn't answer my prayers at the time that I asked them. God says, persevere and be constantly dependent upon him. But most of us are too quick to to quit, too quick to give up. If we don't see something answered immediately, we just stop making that request. Persevere, write it down. If you believe it's biblical, you believe that this is what scripture teaches, then do not give up. Check the motives of your heart, but do not give up. We are to pray like this and we're to pray for all believers This is the way we're to pray for everybody, not just when we're in trouble, but for all believers. Why? Because all believers are at war with Satan. That's what he's teaching here. All believers are at war with Satan. So we're we're all under attack and the struggles and the trials that our fellow believers are going through demand that we not give up. You can't give up. We're at war. You don't leave the wounded laying there. The Marines never leave anybody behind. We don't leave anybody behind. We always are praying for them. And that's why Paul gives the fourth way that a prayer warrior prays. Prayer warriors pray with variety. Prayer warriors pray in the spirit. 
prayer warriors pray with persistence, but also prayer warriors pray for all the saints. We pray for each other. By saints, he means fellow believers. Notice the end of verse uh, verse 18. Be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. Did you see all the all there? All the saints. When Paul instructs us to be alert, folks, it's for the purpose of praying for other believers. In other words, be aware of the struggles that other believers are facing so that you can persistently pray for them. That's what he's teaching. Now, does that mean that we should never pray for non-Christians? No, there are other scriptures that speak about that, but that's not Paul's point here. His point here is that only Christians are undergoing spiritual warfare. We're the ones who are attacked. That's the point of Ephesians 6. And you see, persistent praying that we do for others pertains to the battles that they're facing. Well, what are the battles they're facing? Listen, this is extremely important. You and I, as Christians, need to know what our fellow believers are going through. Sometimes they don't tell us. We ought to be open. We ought to be transparent. But you don't have to be too bright to figure out that what some people are going through. You see, what are some of the typical things that believers are going through? Somebody mentions to you something that happened in their life. You can pick up on a bad attitude they have towards someone. So what do you pray for? You diligently pray that they would forgive that person. I mean, you tell them as well, but you diligently pray for them, that they would forgive the person who sinned against them as they struggle in this area. You can figure out someone who's tempted to give in to moral impurity. They might share that with you or they've shared it in the past. Now, you don't have to be with a person very long to figure out that somebody has a problem with pride. We all struggle with pride. Some people just don't know that they have a problem with pride. But you're with the person, and, and in two minutes, you pick up on that. Same thing with someone who has a negative and critical spirit. Nobody tells you, you know, I have a negative and critical spirit. But you're with a person, listen, it doesn't even take two minutes, 30 seconds, and you can figure that one out, so you pray for them. They're the people always complaining about things. Nothing's ever right. So you pray for them. Somebody's wrestling with integrity. We all know people want to cut corners. And yeah, you can do this. Even though there's a law that says you can't, you can do it and get away with it. That's the person you confront about that as well as pray for them. Does your church have prayer meetings? My home church has a regular prayer meeting that lasts an hour. There is no singing, only prayer. It's strange, but I always go in wondering how we can come up with enough things to pray about to fill an hour. And I always leave wishing there was more time because we always have more to pray about. When you get right down to it, there is an infinite variety of things we can talk to God about. It was nice to have you along today for Verse by Verse. Our teacher is Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Pastor Steve has been serving at Lakeside since 1981. His messages are adapted to radio format by Verse by Verse Ministries. We are a faith ministry funded and encouraged by the gifts and prayers of interested listeners who we hope are first faithful to their own local churches. If you are ever in the Clearwater area on a Sunday morning and have nowhere else to worship, we would be honored to have you come worship with us. Lakeside can be found at 1893 Sunset Point Road in Clearwater. We're midway between US 19 and the beaches. If you missed part of today's class or you just want to have a review of it, please visit our website, versebyverseradio.org. Feel free to download the program if you'd like to listen later 
or you can simply listen online. You'll find the rest of this series on spiritual warfare on the archives page. That web address again is versebyverseradio.org. Our lesson today was the middle of a three-part message. If you would like to hear the entire message at once, please call us at 727-441-1714. Leave your name and a number, and we will call you back during weekday office hours. That number again is 727-441-1714. I've heard it said that most Christians spend more time praying to keep saints out of heaven than they do praying to get sinners into heaven. Do you pray for the spiritual needs of others as well as their physical needs? There's certainly nothing wrong with praying for those who are ill, impoverished, or otherwise suffering in their bodies. Yet the spiritual needs of both believers and the unsaved have eternal significance. All of us from time to time go through spiritual struggles. Let's seek to be sensitive to those needs and persistent in praying for them. And may all our prayers have the ultimate goal of glorifying God. Please join us for the next verse by verse. Pastor Steve will have the conclusion of his message on prayer as he wraps up our series of lessons on spiritual warfare and the armor of God. You've been listening to Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. This program was pre-recorded. To learn more, including how to donate to this ministry, visit versebyverseradio.org. That's Verse. We are here to give you strength between. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.